Hello again, everyone. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on where you are in the world. Thank you so much for joining us. You are back with Justin Hess. I am a product manager at Relias for assessments and my partner in crime. Leslie Jeffries. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm a registered nurse and um, work in the clinical solutions department at Relias. And today we're here to discuss the barriers to an effective hiring process and some approaches that can help your organization overcome those barriers. Now, in part one of this series on hiring and retaining unicorns in healthcare, we discussed how the healthcare workforce is changing and how turnover affects those demographics. If you missed that first episode, be sure to check it out whenever you get to your podcast. Before we jump into the topic today, let's talk a little bit about what it means to hire the quote-unquote right person for the right job. Leslie, whenever I say that, what comes to your mind? Yeah, you know, when I, when I hear right person for the right job, the, the very first example that I can think of is, is a nurse um, who works in the emergency department versus a nurse who works in the critical care unit. Um, there's obviously different skill sets from a hard skills requirement that obviously is, is apparent to, you know, to everyone. But there's also some behavioral characteristics that, that maybe differ a little bit. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, when you think about the concept of teamwork um, and how is teamwork displayed in the emergency department versus the ICU. Um, think about, you know, emergency department nurses are very high paced. Um, it's a very intense environment. and Many times there are trauma patients that require a team of people to come in and provide care to the patient in order to stabilize them um, so that they can be moved to the next level of care. So, you know, obviously ED nurses need to be able to be very highly team-oriented. They need to be able to work well with other people. They need to be flexible. Um, and when we think about, to the contrary, on ICU, it's not that teamwork isn't necessarily required, but there's a different level of teamwork um, where this environment really in ICU is more autonomous. Nurses typically in ICU will have one or two patients to care for in an eight or 12 hour shift. And so they have more time um, to spend with one or two patients. And so, you know, while there is some teamwork, it's certainly not at the level that we see in the emergency department. So, so when I hear right person for the right job, that's an, you know, an analogy that I think of, you know, just right off the top of my head. Leslie, I think that's exactly right. And let's take a look at it from another perspective. Let's look at our workforce as a gigantic puzzle. Now, you might have 50, 100, 1,000, or maybe even a 10,000-piece puzzle. But no matter the size, it's important that all of those pieces fit together. When you... When you have missing pieces, or rather those are your vacancies, for example, it forms an incomplete picture. And that is the importance of finding the right person for the right job. Not only do you want them to fit well within your organization, you also want to minimize the proverbial number of missing pieces, which can detract from that overall picture. And, you know, Justin, I think about, you know, the, the uh, common saying, you know, putting a, a, a square peg in a round hole. Um, while it may fit somewhat, it doesn't fit exactly. And, and so it's important that, you know, we, we use things to help us, you know, find that exact missing uh, puzzle piece if we can. And, and when you think about, you know, things that, that we use in our, 
our jobs of trying to find new applicants and qualified candidates, there, there's certainly some barriers um, that we have in our industry. And I'll name a few of those here. Just the things that come to my mind are applicant tracking systems. Um, while they are helpful, they can certainly um, inadvertently and accidentally filter out candidates who would have otherwise been qualified for positions. Um, another barrier that we have in identifying candidates that are qualified for positions is that we really have no continuity in the tools that we use to determine competency. So, you know, some hospitals may use um, onboarding assessments or some type of interview technique that might be different from another facility. So we have this discrepancy in the type and the techniques that we use to determine competency in applicants. There's also differences in background check requirements. So geographically speaking, you know, one area of the country, it may take just a couple of days to do a background check. And then there are other places that it may even take, you know, up to two weeks. So we have some discrepancies there as well. To find out more about topics like this one, please go to reliasmedia.com slash podcast where you can listen to other episodes. There, you also can subscribe to our informative publications, such as Healthcare Risk Management, and obtain CME or CE credits. I think another barrier is that sometimes it frankly just takes a really long time to get your foot in the door for an interview because there's so many um, levels of management and so many levels of approval for applicants to move through the hiring process that you know, many times, even if you are a qualified applicant for a position, it might take weeks for you to ever even step in the door um, for an interview. And then uh, lastly, I think one of the biggest barriers, obviously, is benefit competition. So not only from a salary perspective, but it, it's also uh, some of the other tangible things that really make a difference to people for work-life balance. So, you know, some organizations are offering on-site daycare. Some are you know, offering concierge services, um, sign-on bonuses. You know, you, you if you can think of it as a, as, a, as a bonus or as a perk to a position, um, chances are, you know, you're going to find someone who's offering that. So, so definitely lots of barriers that, you know, that, that uh, don't allow us to necessarily identify qualified candidates. Leslie, that's a great point. And organizations often employ a number of strategies to reduce these barriers and consequently their turnover. Uh, you kind of alluded to this just a moment ago, but uh, I think you said signing bonuses or sign-on bonuses is one. Do you know some other common strategies that organizations use to help incent people to apply and go through the entire interview process? Yeah, you know, there, there are reward programs um, that award individuals. So when, when you go through the hiring process, you know, and you get hired, I mean, the, sometimes they're called clinical ladder programs. Um, sometimes there are, you know, uh, leadership paths. There's succession planning that involve these reward programs, um, as well as there's salary structure adjustments that, that occur um, through certain tenure within the organization. So many times it's, you know, you're here for 90 days, and maybe you'll get a $1 per hour increase. And then after you're here for six months, um, there's another adjustment. So there's definitely a variety um, of strategies to, to try to reduce those barriers. Great. Now, I think, I think I'd be accurate in saying that most organizations try to leverage some or a combination of those strategies. But I also want to point out that there are some organizations across the healthcare spectrum that maybe they can't do 
any of those, uh, let alone one. So for example, if they're a very small IDV organization, they may not have the capital or the funding to be able to offer sign-on bonuses or to incent people through reward programs. And what we would like to do today is discuss some additional strategies that you can explore to reduce turnover and specifically target those human capital investments. Now the solutions we bring up are all going to be under the mindset of adopting a human capital perspective. And human capital is looking at all of the knowledge, skills, and capabilities that exist within your workforce and figuring out how to best allocate those to your advantage. Doing this requires approaching it holistically and thinking about every single person and where their strengths lie and where their areas of improvement lie. Now, Leslie, with the end goal of uh, end goal being improving the quality of care that organizations provide, do you have some recommendations for adopting a human capital mindset and examining our workforces holistically? Yeah, you know, you bring up an excellent point. Um, you know, when you when you think about you know, your experience, even your, yourself as a patient, you know, if, if you've ever been a patient and had surgery or perhaps, you know, it was a very transactional um, uh, experience, you know, maybe at an urgent care clinic, you know, it, it's not necessarily just the clinical job knowledge that is being applied in that interaction or, you know, in your care. So, you know, it's great that you have, for example, um, a support professional and perhaps a nurse that really is very clinically savvy they, they know exactly what's going on with you from a medical perspective, and they know how to treat that. But at the same time, you know, you want a clinician who can communicate with you in a way that, you know, that you understand, that, that they can take the, you know, the, sometimes the, the big words, if you will, from a medical perspective, you know, kind of change that information in a way that you understand it as a patient. Um, you also want your care to be delivered in a timely manner. So I think for a long time, you know, we in the healthcare industry particularly, you know, we, we've put such a focus on the clinical knowledge only. And while that is certainly, you know, the foundation to the work that we provide in healthcare, there's so many other pieces to providing holistic care that we also need to think about that really creates that positive patient experience. Um, for the patients that we're serving, um, how is it going to improve outcomes, you know, from, from start to finish. And so uh, I think to your point, you know, it, when you think about a human capital, it's not one particular spoke in the wheel, you know, that this person has great clinical knowledge, but they also need to be able to, for example, communicate effectively. They need, you know, to be able to be flexible and, and you know, find out do they like working in a team or is it more autonomous. So there's really so many um, aspects to thinking about your workforce um, in a more holistic manner. Leslie, that is a great example. And I can say that, you know, somebody who has been a patient himself in the past, I can attest that not only are the clinical skills of the, are of the utmost importance, but so are those soft skills or those behavioral skills. And this is where we would like to introduce the concept of assessments and the benefits that they bring to your hiring process. So put simply, assessments are tools that help you to collect targeted information on individuals for the purpose of informing your selection or hiring decision. Now, using assessments 
as part of your human capital strategy can allow you to do many things. Leslie, could you help me here maybe? Uh, tell us some of these benefits specifically to healthcare organizations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think there's three that probably, um, you know, come to my mind when I think about, you know, how can assessments help me to improve my human capital in my organization? Um, and, and really, we should think about our people as our most important assets and most valuable assets in the organization. So because without the people, without the clinicians, without the nurses, the, the DSPs taking care of our patients or our residents, you know, th there really is no care to be provided. So we have to think about the value that these people bring to the care being provided to the patient. You know, it's hard to put a number on that. You know, they're, they're truly invaluable. Um, I also think that when you use assessment to improve or, or really examine your human capital, when you're using assessments, it really shows your applicants um, that you're truly, genuinely interested um, in what they bring to the table. You're interested in their growth and development, um, as well as their satisfaction and motivation, because many times we can use that information that's gained from the assessment to, to really tailor an onboarding program for them, to make it very personalized for them, so that it really it becomes individualized, and, and we're really not treating them in a cookie-cutter approach that, unfortunately, many times we, we have a tendency to fall back on. Um, and obviously, you know, I think that for me, the, the last thing is, you know, you can find the right person for the right job by examining each person's strengths and areas of improvement, um, as well as are, are they going to be a good fit culturally um, and behaviorally, not only for your organization, but for your department or your unit. So I think for those that uh, that are on the, the listening today and you think about if you're a manager, you know better than anyone what type of characteristics that an individual needs to have in order to, you know, kind of mold and mesh into the existing staff members or maybe what you need in order to improve care um, for your patient population. So those are the first three that come come to mind. Uh, Justin, do you, do you have anything else you can think of that uh, where assessments could be helpful with that? Definitely. I think from a best practice perspective, assessments allow organizations to standardize their hiring process so that they're able to fairly compare people in an objective way against the same set of criteria. So for example, if we're hiring an RN and we say that maybe X, Y, and Z competencies are the most important, we can fairly evaluate any number of candidates across those same set of criteria. And additionally, assessments allow us to probe deeper into issues or areas of concern during the interview process by providing areas where we can hone in on and ask additional questions or really surface and have a deep, meaningful conversation. Now, I do want to say that a single assessment is likely not as helpful as using a suite that measures a variety of job-related knowledge, skills, abilities, and characteristics. It's also worthwhile to stress that assessment results should never be the sole decision-making criteria for hiring, nor should the results ever be examined or interpreted in isolation. I challenge everyone to talk through the results with your candidates, and that kind of feeds into that idea of being able to probe deeper uh, by bringing the results to the candidate and saying, hey, you scored maybe above average here, below average here. Tell me what that means to you. Tell me why you think the results are showing this. 
as a hiring manager or a preceptor, that allows you to basically get a much deeper level of insight that you wouldn't have had previously. So, Leslie, do assessments sound like a good idea from your perspective? Um, how does the healthcare industry in general feel about them? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, and, and it, it brings to mind, you know, the, the painful experiences that I, I've had personally, you know, as a nurse manager, because, you know, before assessments, you know, were, were really something that was offered for the healthcare industry, you know, I've been that manager where, you know, you someone has great references, they have great clinical experience, they came in for an interview, and they just knocked it out of the park. It was fantastic, and, I, you know, they left, and I thought, this is going to be a great hire, and they started on the unit, and then a couple weeks later, you know, I was kind of scratching my head thinking, who is this person? <laughs> you know, so I think that the value of assessment, um, they bring a, a level of continuity to what we do as individuals, as managers, that takes some of that um, guessing work out of the equation. Um, because many times, you know, we, we have a good gut feeling about something when ultimately we find out that it, it wasn't necessarily on target. And so what I love about the use of assessments is that you can take some very actionable data, you know, to try to identify within your candidates, you know, where are their strengths and their, and their opportunities for improvement. And really it becomes, uh, you know, additional data points that you can use as a manager um, to determine if this is going to be a person that would be helpful for your department. It could be perhaps that they have uh, great clinical skills, but maybe they need some, some coaching on patient interaction and how to communicate more effectively with their peers. Um, I think as clinicians, we're always, we're all trying to improve all the time, but uh, assessments, you know, at least give you an opportunity to kind of do a deeper dive uh, into those areas. Yeah, I agree with you, Leslie. And to kind of reinforce what you just said with some research, uh, the Brandon Hall Group conducted a study of organizations across the U.S., and they found that 59% of them are currently using assessments to inform their selection decisions in some way. Now, we understand that a lot of our customers, as well as people listening into this podcast, may not even be aware of assessments and that they exist and the benefits that they could provide to them. So that's why we wanted to bring this topic to the podcast and our listeners today. And with that, I am going to go ahead and pause this episode and tell you a little bit about what's coming up. So in our next episode, we will cover the best practices for using assessments to help inform your pre-hire or selection decisions. So tune in to hear part three of our mini-series on hiring and retaining unicorns in healthcare. If you'd like to learn more in the meantime, please feel free to visit our website at relias.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Rounds with Relias. To find out more about topics like this one, please go to reliasmedia.com slash podcast where you can listen to other episodes. There, you also can subscribe to our informative publications such as Hospital Employee Health and obtain CE credits. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Relias Media, where we empower healthcare providers to improve patient care and outcomes.